Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for the episode on Philip Hammond's autumn budget. I'm Connor Pope, Deputy Editor of Progress, and I'm with Progress Director Richard Angel. Together we'll be looking back over the fallout from the budget and responding to some of your listeners' comments. Subscribers were treated to a special Budget Extra Progressive Britain episode this week in the form of Alison McGovern's audio essay on 10 things to watch out for from Hammond's budget. If you missed that, I would recommend going back and listening to it. It's just as helpful as post-budget analysis for drawing attention to what was missing from the speech. Alison also had a great article out on the five tests for the budget in the December issue of Progress magazine. That piece is already online now, so you can check that out on progressonline.org.uk. But that's enough of her thoughts. She is just an economics expert, after all. (laughs) Uh, Richard, what did you make of the budget? Well, I thought the budget, firstly, was about politics trying to trump the economics. George Osborne is catching up on Philip Hammond ever more quickly as the Tory government continues. And some of the very early cuts that they... Philip Hammond catching up with George Osborne, you mean, sorry, in terms of doing political budgets? No, sorry, I mean that the the decisions that were made early by Osborne are really now sitting on Philip Hammond's desk. And you saw this kind of almost shrill attempt to blame things on the last Labour government. And many of the decisions he was having to deal with were because of the shock factor that both George Osborne and David Laws put into the economy with the first decision they made when they took over in the government to try and blame everything on Labour. But actually, the blame seems to be falling continually on them. And actually now as well, you know, if you look at recent comments by not just George Osborne, but also by Vince Cable, who've actually both in the past month or so said publicly that they don't think that Gordon Brown took the wrong decisions when the crash happened in 2008, which I think just makes it completely clear that all of these things that they said about it being the Labour Party's fault were in fact just political messaging. And so it's phenomenal that you know Philip Hammond might try and carry on doing it when in fact the people who coined that message in the first place 
I'm just saying it, it was made up. It was just to get electoral gain from it. That's not going to stop Philip Hammond or any of the uh, Tory cabinet right now. The the other thing that I just thought was none of it was about the public. All of it was about the vested interests in the House of Commons and various groups. So there was money to deal with the fallout from Brexit and planning for a no deal scenario. That was a kind of bung to various groups with backbenchers. There was a lot of uh, patting on the back of the Scottish Tory MPs to try and undermine Labour, the SNP and others and to show their role up there. Not least because, of course, they're also dependent on Ruth Davison, both in her popularity and her contribution to this government. And every time she speaks damningly of Boris or other members of the government, it seems to get big headlines. So clearly placating her was very important as part of it. And the big things that would have made a difference to the public out there, whether it was a skills improvement, whether it was childcare don't seem to have come through in any way, shape or form. And the very measure that is the kind of Cinderella's shoe that they have kind of tried to surprisingly give to the public in this stamp duty holiday to first time buyers, while it will be very superficially welcome as a good measure, particularly for any first time buyers, I'm out by a few months to be able to get the benefits of it. But the reality seems to be, whether it's the Institute of Fiscal Studies thinking this through to Alison McGovern and other Labour commentators, is the most likely outcome is it drives up the cost of what first-time buyers have to pay for and uh, therefore makes the housing market more expensive because all it does is deal with demand rather than deal with supply. And that's maddening. One fascinating facet from uh, Alison's article for the magazine is that uh, by this point next year, the government will have spent more money on freezing and cutting full duty since 2010. That's fuel duty for anybody who speaks, (laughs) not northern. Than it actually has done on uh, paying down the debt, which is just a phenomenal fact. If you want to hear more things like that, I know Alison was on a little-known podcast called The Times Red Box this week, which I've not heard of, but apparently they do more budget chat on there. Why don't we move on to the thoughts of our beloved listeners? Our lovely listeners. So, well, the first thing was is we asked them what they thought of our various attempts to get on reality TV programmes. Alison, of course, wanted to be on X Factor. I was very keen to be on Bake Off, despite my inability to bake. Alan Simpson from the Progress Strategy Board and Labour in the City, who was our guest, of course, he wanted to be on Geordie Shaw. And you, Connor, I believe, was very keen to go on Strictly. And try my Pasadobla. Yes, exactly. So we asked people on the Twitter which one they would opt for, which one of us they wanted off the podcast and onto mainstream TV. And I think you have got I've got the results. results. I, I don't think you've seen the results yet. Have I, you? I haven't you missed, seen the results. You missed the I also, final. This is one of the few Twitter polls I haven't organised for. So <laughs> I am, I'm genuinely keen to the outcome. Well, I, I'm delighted to say that it was incredibly close. And in fact, there was a late surge that changed the outcome of the vote. Ooh. So only 6% of people want to see Alan Simpson or Geordie Shaw, sadly. 29% of people wanted to see Alison on X Factor. 33% of people wanted to see you on Bake Off. And 32% wanted to see me on Strictly. So it's you on Bake Off, despite not organising this late Richard for Bake Off surge. saw you become I the won. winner. Yeah. That's very exciting. Oh, that's good. Oh, well, I'm going on the telly. That'd be fun. No, so from, you know... Channel Gin- 4 producers, I hope you're listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. From gin with Richard to gingerbread with Richard. I think that 
That would be amazing. There's the hashtag. That's the hashtag. Okay, shall we look at some of the comments we got this week? So Dr. B said that the podcast was interesting and insightful lately. May also added a superfluous comment about Richard being particularly good, which... What can I say? (laughs) Meanwhile, Stephanie Lloyd, who has, of course, been on this podcast and is joining us in a couple of weeks to be the new deputy director here at Progress, she said it was witty and thoughtful. She's just angling for another invitation back onto the podcast. She wants to be on the show again. Ewan Phillips on Twitter said that Alison's special extra episode was excellent. Mick McAteer said that the point that she'd made that childcare should be considered as infrastructure for investment purposes was too often overlooked. And Simona McKenzie agreed, saying that there was not even a passing mention of childcare in Hammond's speech on Wednesday. Literally nothing at all. And considering childcare, one, if you're spending money on childcare, it invariably is going on people in work rather than on infrastructure because they don't require lots of buildings to provide the childcare. Secondly, that if we want to get women out of providing childcare for their own family and into the workplace, it could do that. And the productivity lift that this could give the economy could be amazing because the current thing is this group of women in particular are stuck in lower paid, more unskilled work that childcare means they're unable to get the skills improvement they need or take on the next improvement in their job. So it's, it's like I said, very frustrating that Philip Hammond was focused on the issues of backbenchers, which clearly wasn't one of, childcare wasn't one of the ones they've been raising, rather than the issues of the voting public. Each week, Connor asks the political pub quiz question with the correct answers getting a progress mug. So this week, I asked what the last general election was that neither Ken Clark nor Gerald Kaufman had stood in. And for the first time on the podcast earlier in the week, Alison said that she thought she knew the answer. So we got her to record that for this. So Alison, this is very exciting. You think you know the answer to this week's pub quiz question, which is when was the last general election not contested by either Ken Clark or Gerald Kaufman? 64? No. Unfortunately, Alison was not correct. Gerald Kaufman and Ken Clark were both elected for the first time in 1970, but both had stood a number of times previous to that as unsuccessful candidates, but in different general elections. We did get in different decades. In different decades, we got two right answers. Uh, Connor P5 and Simon Alvey both said 1951. So Kaufman had stood in 55 and 59, while Clark was a Tory candidate throughout the 1960s before they were both elected for the first time in 1970. So we will make sure that mugs come to you. Well, make sure you email office at progressonline.org.uk so we can get those mugs sent out to you. Remember to send your comments and questions, leave a review, rate the podcast and subscribe on iTunes. And we'll be back with the Progressive Britain podcast next week. Tuesday with the wonderful Alison McGovern. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons, and this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton.